0: As you guys may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important and our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. That's right, you simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. What's going on, guys? Welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast Monday edition of the show. Harrison, Wind, and Brendan vote here, like we are every uh, Monday and Tuesday before the big guy Adam Morris, joins us later in the week. Uh, what's up, man? I hope you had a good weekend. Did you watch
1: the Super Bowl? Give me like your thirty second rundown on this, on the Super Bowl. Yeah, I watched the Super Bowl, and it comes down to uh, is your quarterback elite. Um I, I'm a New York Giants fan. I saw Eli Manning be elite, not good, great, elite on the biggest stage. Okay. Jimmy Garoppolo Harrison. Not elite. Not
0: elite. That's my take. Yeah. Definitely is no Pat Mahomes. So I was in Austin this weekend. That's where I watched the Bucks game and uh this Nugget's loss to the Pistons, which we'll talk to which we'll talk about in a second. Um but I was on a plane for the Super Bowl. Uh, With a a bunch of Chiefs fans. Um, You know, we were flying back to Denver, and there are some Chiefs fans in Denver. So I think, you know, there was a healthy amount of Chiefs fans on that plane. And Southwest Wi Fi, pretty reliable, you know, usually pretty reliable. Um, But of course, in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, the Wi Fi goes out. And so we're getting updates on the game from the captain, who was (laughs) the
1: only one on board who had Wi Fi. Was he watching the game? Because that's not usually a good sign. Yeah, him- I, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure, but he was
0: getting score <laughs> updates. You know, maybe he had like the little game center up
1: on his phone or something on the ESPN app. I don't they know. Built, it's built into the cockpit. Actually, it's like a yeah. cross branding thing.
0: But uh, yeah, he was the only one on board with Wi Fi. So you know, he was shouting out updates. Uh, you know, throughout the fourth quarter. So that well, that's
1: how I took in most of the fourth and the the entire game. I feel for you, but I don't feel for any so-called Chiefs fans that schedule the flight on the day of the Super Bowl. You got to gotta, gotta <laughs> have the foresight there. Avoid that situation.
0: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, shout out to the Chiefs. Shout out to a friend of the show, Matt Moore, who um, mm. I, I'm not sure when we'll be seeing him next because uh, he'll probably be celebrating this one for quite a while.
1: We may never see him again. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's on the table as well.
0: Yeah, but uh, I'm pretty wiped out from a, a, a day of travel and a weekend of Aust- in Austin, so I'm going to need you to carry me on today's show like Nicole Jokic tried to carry uh, the
1: Nuggets against the Pistons, all right? Yeah, sure, as long as we're not expected to win the game. I can carry you in a loss <laughs> okay. that I can do. All right, well, let's start with this
0: one because a tough result for Denver is, Mm. Nuggets fall one twenty eight to one twenty three in overtime uh, to Detroit. Man, this would have been a great win, and you know, in the first quarter, which is I guess where we'll start, th- this seemed like it was going to be you know maybe a comfortable victory. It- it- it's funny because like we know the NBA is a game of runs, we know when a team is up by like twenty points in the first half. The other team is probably going to make it close in the second at some point. That's just how the NBA works. It's really hard to put away teams. So, I mean, that was always in the back of my mind when Denver was up by, what, 21 points in the first quarter. Um, but, I mean, that first quarter,
1: man, that was beautiful, beautiful basketball. Yeah. So the Nuggets were 18 of 25 from the field in that first quarter, 72%, and 12 assists on those 18 makes. But to your point, part like you know that lead wasn't gonna last and and part of it was that it was mostly two pointers for the nuggets during that run. Obviously, Detroit got hot from three and uh you know, math three is more than two, and so on. But that first quarter was that was the nuggets of old. that was Jokic ball, man. Ball was popping,
0: oh man, that was so impressive. That was so fun to watch. It had shades of j- just a-, a couple different spurts that Denver's had over the course of the season. I immediately thought back to that Nuggets win in Milwaukee a couple of years ago when Jokic set the record for fastest triple double in league history. Like yeah, that, flight, right? how this Detroit game started, that's exactly how that Milwaukee game started over two years ago or, or not quite two years ago, just about two years ago. I think that was Valentine's day weekend that year. Um, But Jokic had like six points, five rebounds, four assists or something after four or five minutes and the ball was popping like you said everybody was moving guys were making quick decisive decisions the nuggets were playing with pace they were getting the ball up the floor they were getting to their actions so soon and you know we'll talk about what happened over the course of the rest of the game but my god that was you know probably the best prolonged stretch of offensive basketball the nuggets have played this year don't you think
1: definitely i mean everyone was on fire and signs of a good game jokic is dominating Tory Craig's two for two in this stretch; he's hit a three. Jeremy Grant's two for two in the stretch; he's hit a three. Monte was three of four from the field for seven points and five assists in the first ten minutes. That's an insane start to a game for Monte. So, everything was clicking until it was not, and I—it was rough, man, to watch. Um, to watch a team I think kind of just run out of gas in front of our eyes.
0: And that's mm-hmm. sort of what
1: happened for the for the subsequent three quarters.
0: Yeah. So at the beginning of the game, uh, we've talked about this a lot in the podcast, but you just kind of get a feeling really early on whether Nikola Jokic just has it that night. You know, more mm. often than not, he has it. But in this Detroit game, over the first couple of minutes, you just knew he had it. And then. Christian Wood comes in for Andre Drummond at the 7:55 mark of the first when Denver's already up 18 to 5 and I think you could just see Jokic's eyes light up. It, it was he went like to the, work. Yeah, it was like the type of look he gets. He, he starts playing with this swagger. He's got a little, you know, he's got that cocky walk to him where he just know, or you know he knows deep down that he can absolutely do whatever he wants with his opponent. He was just toying with Christian Wood in that first quarter. He was in the zone. Um, But yeah, like you mentioned, the Pistons got hot. And in the first quarter, Nuggets outscored the Pistons 44-30. to In the second, it was pretty much the reverse. Detroit comes back and outscores Denver 38-21. The... uh 44 points that Denver had in the first quarter, tied for the most, I believe. Oh, no, I think it was the most uh, that Denver – oh, no, I think it was tied. Tied for the most Denver has scored in a quarter all season. But, yeah, like you were saying, Detroit got hot in the second and Denver got cold.
1: Yeah, you know who I thought they were missing in that second quarter was Michael Porter Jr., obviously. But just a guy who maybe can – we've seen him get hot in that kind of spot, right, when – you're looking for more second unit minutes in the second quarter. Jokic is getting a rest. You know, can MPJ or someone get hot without him? Um they really really labored out there. Only four assists in the second quarter on 10 mm. made field goals or of o of 6 from 3 and as we mentioned Detroit got hot. They were 6 of 10 from deep in just the second quarter alone. Yeah. And so Nuggets just they were playing the numbers game and they were losing.
0: Yeah. It wasn't a great night for that many guys off of Denver's bench. Really, Malik Beasley, I thought, was uh, the guy who had maybe the best night off of Denver's bench. Gary Harris, I mean, we'll talk about his night in a little bit, but didn't really do much. thought P.J. PJ Dozier looked like a guy who you know, hasn't played a ton of NBA minutes, not one of his better yeah. nights. Wancho really, really wasn't able to get anything going, was poor defensively too. Uh, but yeah, the bench really struggled, and I think you're spot on. Michael Porter Jr. would have helped so much tonight and, of course, had a pretty gruesome ankle injury, one that looked pretty bad against Milwaukee. So, no surprise he didn't play. Doesn't seem like that is too serious. Doesn't seem like that's a Jamal Murray type of ankle injury. But, you know, when MPJ, you know, goes down with an injury, always a uh, source of concern. But,. A rough night for the bench overall. Uh, definitely a rough night. You can see that in the plus-minus numbers, which I know a lot of people don't like, but I think especially on the Nuggets are pretty indicative of how the night has gone. Gary was a minus 17. I you a minus 12 in just 12 minutes?
1: Yeah, it was a 30-point swing, right? how Eventually, at one point in this game, the Nuggets went from up 21 to down 9, outscored by 17 in that second quarter. And this is where you started to see guys get tired, particularly Will Barton who was really on it in the first quarter, his legs, I think kind of, he goes one for five in the second and everything starts to look a little bit short. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, yeah, without the bench guys to contribute, Yoke dominated in the second quarter, but it was just a rough stretch from the bench. And, you know, you don't want to, those guys won't make excuses and they shouldn't um, when you come out to that hot start of a game and, and, and you're up 21, you throw all that scheduled law stuff out the window. That's a game you should win. But the reality is these guys were exhausted, and and you can really (laughs) – it's weird looking at this box score. You can see it it happens right away when that second quarter starts.
0: Yeah, Barton, like you mentioned, has played a ton of minutes as of late, Uh, played 31 minutes in that Memphis loss, 36 against the Jazz, 34, uh, 24, less than 24 hours later against Milwaukee, and then 37 against Detroit. He's obviously seen his minutes go up here. And, um, yeah, I, I definitely sense some fatigue and, you know, as was expected when you're playing as many games in such a short amount of time. Did you see, I think a couple people put it out there. I don't have it offhand, but so a couple people calculated like the actual <laughs> hours that Denver has played these last three games. And because it, it was less than 24 hours from the tip against Utah to the tip against Milwaukee. And then, I can't remember the last time the Nuggets played a game this early Um, Sunday in Detroit, but a a
1: crazy stretch of basketball. Yeah. And the one guy Harrison who may have conceivably been fresh here, Gary Harris returning to the team. Um, Mm -hmm. We, you know, it was announced. We do know he was, he was gone for the birth of his child. As you mentioned earlier, don't know how much rest he's getting in that context, but he did not look super fresh in the first half in about 11 minutes of play one field goal attempt did not make it for Gary Harris. So sort of, we, we talked about how everyone exa- was exhausted. Barton was overlooked, overworked rather. You were really looking for Gary Harris to come in and make a big impact in this game. It did not happen in that first half.
0: Yeah. I do want to talk about Gary's night and uh, some other guys on this team. I'll also talk about Jokic's game and just kind of the stretch he's been on here recently First, I've got to tell you guys about the Strawberry Sky beer from Breck Brewing. One of our favorites, one of the DNVR Nuggets Crew's favorites that Breck has put out. It's flavorful. It's light. It's great for any occasion. Would have been great during the Super Bowl, but Southwest is not on the Breck Brew train quite yet. <laughs> Maybe I can put in a word with them. <laughs> but yeah, make sure to Excuse check out me, Strawberry man. Sky.
1: excuse me ma'am i'm not seeing any breck brews on this menu (laughs) what's your
0: craft beer selection like
1: (laughs) do you have any hot pink ipas
0: (laughs) yeah make sure to check out breck brew or uh, strawberry sky from breck brew definitely one of our favorites over there and also got to tell you guys about our friends over at mile high green cross these guys offer an experience that you won't forget mile high green cross has award-winning products head down to their store and sign up for their loyalty program. When you do, you will receive 20% off of your entire purchase once per month. That's right. They are hooking the DNVR fam up with 20% off of your entire purchase. This offer extends to members that are already in their loyalty program as well. Just mention DNVR. Mile High Green Cross offers a variety of CBD products from edibles to concentrates to cartridges. Every single time you pop in, You receive one-on-one attention from one of their seasoned sales associates, not to mention they have everyday low prices on in-house products like $99 pre-packed ounces and V3 hash oil bulk deals, five cartridges for $100. Mile High Green Cross offers outdoor pricing, no cash, no problem because Mile High Green Cross accepts Hyper. And what's even better is the amount of time you spend in the dispensary on average. The time you walk in, to the time you walk out is only nine minutes. I know that is super important to me and my hectic and crazy life. Head downtown today and check out Mile High Green Cross. They are conveniently located on 9th and Broadway, and they also offer parking in the back. Remember, sign up and save 20% off your purchase once per month. All right, back here on the DMVR Nuggets podcast, we are presented by Illegal Pete's, the site. Or I guess the host of our watch party on Saturday wanted to make sure to plug that. Let's but go. Uh, yeah, we'll send out the uh, RSVP info, of course, which, which you gotta you know sign up. You got to RSVP to be eligible to win uh, whatever prize we're giving out. But yeah, illegal Pete's—that uh, is the Broadway location, right?
1: Yep. Or is it Colfax? We'll oh, figure it out. Or is it Colfax? It might be Colfax. <laughs> It'll, you'll see the tweet. We'll, we'll get it right in the tweet. Yeah, but
0: we'll be pumping it all week. So, uh, yeah, see you guys on Saturday. The Nuggets are playing the Phoenix Suns. Also, if you got questions for the pod, make sure to put them in the comment section where this podcast will live on the DNVR.com. We always answer subscriber questions before the first break. Uh, so, this post will be up Sunday night, Monday morning on thednvr.com. So if you are a member, if you are a subscriber, log in and post a comment, post a take, and we'll get to it on a Tuesday show. So you were speaking about Gary Harris' night, and um, I, I would guess we'll start there, just kind of going up and down the box score. Yeah, he was the one guy who you think would have fresh legs here, uh, had the birth of his first son back thursday morning he was back home in indiana for that and so he missed uh the jazz game and then and missed the milwaukee game a night later but was back and denver brought him off the bench but played him 31 minutes so played him starter minutes but did not really give the nuggets much uh three points one to six from the field Uh, his offensive night kind of symbolic of how his year has gone on the offensive end of the floor and um Man, your confidence that he can rediscover it and your confidence that he can get that rhythm back, it just kind of goes down little by little each game like
1: this he has, right? For sure. And it looks less and less like that's something that Gary's looking for. And I don't know if that's a fair knock considering... You know, it's so important to try to find your role on any basketball team within an offense, and there are some guys that are playing well, and so I guess I respect that Gary's not trying to do too much, but you look at these box scores, man, night after night, one of six, three of ten, right? Not a lot of rebounds or assists. He's just not getting very involved offensively, um, whether he's playing well or not, and I know tonight you can conceive of, of some excuses. I mean, his first child was just born, so there's a lot going on mentally physically otherwise in his life but this is against a background now of an entire season or a half a season um that that shows us he he doesn't have it offensively and i there's nothing at this point i would want more from a nugget season than gary harris to surge back to form but i'm with you it's that seems like optimistic thinking i don't think anyone can really look at what we've seen now this far into the season and say yeah he's gonna turn it around
0: yeah and Like you said, it's been uh, 40 games that Harris has played in this year. And, you know, even going back to last year, he did not have a great offensive season last year. And we put most of the blame for that on the injuries. But, you know, it's really been one and a half seasons, more than one and a half seasons now, where he hasn't looked like the guy he was two years ago, which, you know, is a long time in basketball years. Yeah, Gary Harris had... Two amazing offensive seasons 2016 17 and 2017 18. He's had two pretty subpar offensive seasons since 2018 19 and this year so far. If Gary was to get one thing back from his offensive game, what would you most like to see him get back? Would it be like his ability to finish at the rim, his three point shot, his in between game? What would you think is the most important
1: thing for him to get back at this point I would say probably three-point shot Harrison just because he doesn't seem to have a very big role in the offense but I think we all remember just two seasons ago when Harris on the catch and shoot particularly when that pass was coming from Jokic was a very very big part of what this offense was doing and doing well and that was I think like a budding and growing strength of Harris's that it looked like was going to be a part of his game was if he's open from three you can expect him to hit it and that's obviously not the case right now and I just think of all those possessions where maybe he didn't necessarily have to be heavily involved the ball did get popping and all he has to do is finish the open shot and he hasn't been able to hit it this season so for me you know it's okay you can live with Harris if he's been relegated to a a three and D guy if the shot's good enough because, you know, his individual defense is worth it. So it's, it's the three pointer for me.
0: Yeah. It's a three pointer for me too. And you hit on a couple of the important points. He's going to be the fourth or fifth option. Really most of the time he's out there definitely with the starters. He's the fifth option. Maybe he's a fourth or maybe a third option if he's out there with a bench unit, but he's kind of a release valve for a lot of what the nuggets have done on offense this year. You know, a Jokic post-up. They're going to bring the double. Now they're going to bring the double and leave Gary Harris. He's got to be able to knock down that shot. Uh, The Murray Jokic or the Monte Jokic pick and roll, if the defense collapses, he's going to be a guy that they leave open from three. He's got to hit that shot. So I'm with you. I mean, you'd like to see him attack the rim and and get that part of his game back. But I think his offensive shot and his three-point shot is the most important Michael Malone choosing to close with Gary Harris late in the fourth. I think it was from about the fourth or the four-minute mark on in the fourth quarter and
1: then in overtime. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I didn't think it was the right call, but that's really easy to sit here and say with the benefit of hindsight. Obviously, Gary Harris is the starter on this team when healthy, has earned that opportunity, the benefit of the doubt, and so on. But you look at some of the things that have worked for Denver over these last couple of games: length and and shooting, and you know the that, just that dynamic that Beasley presents out there. He's at least a threat, changes what the defense is is thinking about. And Gary Harris just does not right now, and so it seemed like a defense first approach down the stretch. Um, but yeah, I think I would have liked to see more more Malik there, Harrison.
0: Yeah, Malik definitely had a case to be out there and I have to think Gary was mm. out there for like you said defense and then just maybe the fresh legs as well. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah. he, you know, it didn't really seem like he was too spry in this one, so yeah, it didn't really matter.
1: The the Gary stuff is getting tough, man, and you know, I don't I'm never eager to hammer on anyone, but we at the start of the season had a conversation on this podcast about do you pull the trigger for a Gary Harris, Bradley Beal type deal? I mean, that's a no brainer in hindsight. Now you're wondering, and, and again, he, maybe he rediscovers his form. I, my words, I'd love for that to happen, but it's a $19 million cap hit next year. goes up to 20 in 2021, 2022. I mean, is Gary Harris even a movable contract right now? Is that too harsh of a question?
0: I think he's still movable. I mean, obviously if, You know, three points on one to six shooting, like that's obviously makes it tougher. You know, I think he is movable, you know, but if you're thinking back to that Bradley Beal trade, (laughs) man, (laughs) you're right. That was a legit question we were talking about this summer. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like we settled on the fact that, you know, we just kind of kind of wanted to see what this team could do. Yeah. And um, no, I think I might have been more in favor of the trade than some a peop- some people, but I didn't think it was like a slam dunk by any means. Right. Right. And now you look at something like that and say, no, the Wizards wouldn't even think about doing this deal for a package centered
1: around Gary Harris. No way they would even think about that. Exactly. No way. That's the, that's the better way to frame it. You can definitely still move this deal, but can Gary be the centerpiece of a? of a of a trade that that moves the needle or yeah. takes it over the top probably not like you said for Beal not a chance in hell so i will just i no one's done it yet i'm i'm going to cold take ourselves for that one man we deserve an L yep
0: yeah, that definitely would have been a deal to make especially with the year Bradley Beals having my god <laughs>
1: yeah so win them all.
0: yeah so we buried the lead a little bit i think Nikola Jokic you know I've watched every game Jokic has played in his career, and I can't remember too many other performances off the top of my head where he's been more dominant than he was here on Sunday. Wow. 39 points, 16 of 23 from the field, 6 of 7 from the line, 10 rebounds, 11 assists, three steals, two blocks. He was unbelievable in this game. He was incredible. <laughs> Just absolutely dominated the flow of the game, every aspect of Denver's offense. Um, defensively I thought he was great as well he battled Drummond on the boards and Drummond is probably the NBA's best rebounder and uh, you know Drummond had a night he he had a night especially when I felt like Denver was getting fatigued in the fourth he killed Denver six offensive rebounds for Drummond in this one um, but I thought Jokic was just magnificent and um, 40 minutes for Jokic in this one Played the second most on Denver behind Jeremy Grant, who logged 45 minutes. I had to do a double take when I saw that. Right? <laughs> um, but Jokic's game, uh, he, he was
1: unbelievable tonight. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the first quarter, we're already on triple-double watch. Comes out in that second quarter, he's perfect, 5-5 five of five for 11 points. Dominated, I was maybe as impressed with the defense as the offense. You you yeah. mentioned, is it three games in three and a half days? Consider the offensive workload, the responsibility that Jokic has taken on in in the month of January. we're in February now. He should have been exhausted to give that effort defensively. Like you said, just battling for the rebounds alone tonight should have been draining. He was spectacular. Seemed like he could do no wrong. I know he went cold in overtime. Um, did look like he started to get a little tired, but the truth is, he did more than enough to win that game in four quarters. And yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about that final play, but mm-hmm. yeah, you just can't can't say enough about what he did to put them in a position to win that game. And I, he's been as good as he's ever been right now, man. He he he's just on another level. Definitely, this stretch
0: really mm-hmm. from January first has been just remarkable. So since January first, he's averaging 24 and a half points, 10.2 rebounds, 6.8 assists per game, and that's on pretty good efficiency as well. He's shooting around 37% from three since January first, too. And you know why January first? That's kind of when these injuries really started. And you know Denver has been without two starters for a lot of this stretch. That's really gone about a month. They've been without three starters, and you know Mason Plumlee, one of their key reserves for. A while and Denver's 11 and 6 since January 1st. Here's a question for you uh, because I'm with you. I think this month plus stretch is one of the best he's ever played over the course of his career. How many other players in the league could carry their team like Jokic just carried the Nuggets down two, three, sometimes four of their top nine guys like he has? It's not a long list. It really is not a long list of guys who could carry their team like he has
1: in more than one season. Right. Like we've got a real sample size now. He's done this time and time again. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know what the sample size you do. I think there are a lot of very, very talented players on this team. But you watch, you know, you watch how they perform without key guys. And you just have to wonder, like, man, you could really put just about anyone around this dude and field a competitive team with you know if you're just trying to win one game and so obviously you want you want this team at full strength but yeah I mean he there's just there's a lot of conversation right now on the timeline like comparing Damian Lillard versus James Harden you know the the aesthetic differences and who has a bigger impact on winning basketball and you just who has a bigger impact on actually just winning a game forget stats just winning than Jokic and I think you're right that that's This is probably as good evidence for that as anything, the way he's carried this team through consecutive Januarys, in which the wheel should have fallen off.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. Last year, same kind of story, (laughs) you know? I mean, LeBron, Giannis, Jokic. I, I think really like those are the top three guys that I would take if I had to win one regular season game right now.
1: I had a, a modest sort of start of the year, given how Luka Doncic was playing. If you're just a, trying to avoid arguments, right, just trying to play it safe, call Jokic a top-nine player. But he hits stretches like these, and you just question, man, am I too low on him, right, or even we too low on him? Does he have more to offer than that? Because there are nights where you watch this guy and you go, yeah, name, name five guys that are definitively better. And and you're right. These stretches are, are, are something else.
0: I think right now he's a top-five player in the league. Whew. He's incredible right now. He he has had a great defensive season.
1: Yes, that's a great point.
0: Last year, I think everybody finally came around to the fact that, you know, he is a average to above average defender. This year, we can definitively say he is an above average center. Yep. Um, the advanced stats like him on the defensive end of the floor, the eye test, I, I think he's passed that with flying colors this year. Uh, he's having an incredible year especially on the defensive end I mean to to go with just what he's done offensively
1: I think he's a top five player right now in the NBA hey for all we've seen the ups and downs this season debatedly the two most not really even debatedly the two most important things Jokic looks like he's growing and getting better on and off the court Michael Porter Jr. looks to be who we thought he was those are really the only two things that matter and it's been highly encouraging
0: Definitely. So let's fast forward to the end of the game. And you know, the Nuggets have a chance to win it. One eleven, one eleven with you know under twenty seconds to go. Uh the Nuggets go to their bread and butter. Uh the Jokic pick and roll. Usually it's Jamal Murray and Jokic in this pick and roll in late game situations when Denver has the game on the line, Uh, but since Murray has been out, it's been the lead ball handler, whoever that is. Maybe it's Monte Morris. Maybe it's Will Barton. Tonight, it was Will Barton. Uh, Denver runs that action. Will Barton kind of turns the corner from the left wing. I'm looking at the screenshot right now that I included in my grades. He is a good two steps inside the foul line. He's right about at the kind of that dotted circle in the paint. And uh, rises for a runner that's probably seven feet out, eight feet out, misses, and then the game obviously goes to overtime and Denver runs out of gas there. We were talking about this in the Slack all night. I like Will Barton shooting that. I think that was the right decision. I think that was probably the best look Denver was going to get on this possession. And uh, obviously the
1: timeline was in flames about it. Where did you kind of stand on that? Yeah, we're going to lose some folks here. They're going to roll their eyes, as I agree with you. But I don't think you want a a lead ball handler like he was in that in that context, a player of Barton's caliber, having the mindset of deferring on that shot. I mean, that that was not Barton hijacking a possession and playing hero ball. That blade de- developed and organically, and he was, like you said, about seven feet from the basket and open. Um, you want a player to shoot that, right? So – frustrated that he missed sure um but frustrated that he took it I don't think that's an example of what what folks are going to try to use it as which is his selfishness um you know the play was designed to go to Jokic and they read it right and they acted accordingly so I didn't mind the shot at all and worth pointing out that if he defers this open look at the rim to turn and pass I mean that's that's a jump shot for Jokic I mean and, and he's a great shooter but it's not like he's low in the post right where we've seen him hit so many of these game winners we saw him go on to brick a bunch of jumpers from similar spots on the floor in overtime so I did not mind the decision at all all of that said I totally understand how someone's going to sit here and say you have the best closer in basketball why would he not get the ball
0: yeah Jokic has three game winners this year and he's he has hit shots from kind of the area on the floor he was in uh but I mean, you can't sit here and say that shot definitely goes in if Jokic uh, has it. Andre Drummond can recover to him there. The one thing I'll push back on that you said, this play was designed to get Barton that look. It was also designed to get Jokic the ball. Like, what Barton did here, that is a shot that this play is designed to get. Jamal Murray has taken that shot, that same shot many times before out of this exact same play. And hit that runner. So the look Barton got, a runner from you know the paint, that's what this play is designed to do. And the play worked. He got that shot. He just missed it. The Nuggets will live with that. And they should live with that. Uh, that was a really high percentage look. It's a look Barton's hit many times. And uh, I think they should be fine with the result there. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, sometimes you just miss, right? Sometimes you just miss, and it's really easy to let's go through the film, let's find out why, who made what decision, where does the blame lie, but sometimes you just miss. Yeah, The
0: play worked, and um, it it was a look that I'm sure Will Barton will take again if he has it. I'm sure Jamal Murray would take again, and I guarantee you if you ask Nikola Jokic, if you even gave him truth serum, he, he would say that Barton taking that shot was the right decision.
1: I agree with that last part 100%. 100%.
0: I thought Monte Morris had, had a nice game here, 39 minutes for Monte, 19 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists, 0 turnovers as well, could have used a couple more made threes from him, he was just 2 of 7 uh, from 3, but 39 minutes for Monte, and just kind of comparing his night to P.J. Dozier's night, no, you know, we... I, I, I don't want to say we jumped the gun on P.J. Dozier because I've been very careful in what I've been saying. Like I don't think it's time to move on from Monte Morris by any means or that P.J. Dozier has suddenly inserted himself as the backup point guard of the future. I, I think he could be the backup point guard of the future, and his length, his versatility I, it is a better fit than Monte's. You know, if P.J. Dozier can eventually become that guy. But tonight it was just clear you know how good Monte Morris is and how lucky the Nuggets are to have him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think people are enamored with the archetype that P.J. Fit, fits, right? And, and how that fits with Jokic. Um, but who are these players right now? I don't think anyone would argue P.J.'s better than Monte in a vacuum. Um, and, and like P.J., not a ton has been asked of him, right? Monte played 40 minutes tonight. Uh, I thought he ran out of gas like everyone else did in the second half for sure. Those jumpers looked short. A couple of threes, a couple of big threes they could have hit late in the game that he did not. But yeah, seven assists, zero turnovers. Uh, What is it, 19 points for Monte? That's a big time performance. I thought he was great. Um, And yeah, I'm with you, man. I do think the PJ stuff has some folks have gotten ahead of themselves. Um, That's projecting what he could be, the type of player that he could be. I think it has more to do with the archetype, right, that length and that defensive ability.
0: Yeah, definitely. Dozier had, had two rough turnovers tonight. I mean rough, rough turnovers. Just pretty basic passes that Monte definitely makes and a lot of guys on this roster make. But I really like Dozier's upside. I think he's a player. He's got to be able to shoot consistently from three, and we've kind of already seen his jumper come and go over the short, like, month-long stint that he's been with the team. Uh, so we'll see. I still really like his upside, but, yeah, definitely need to see more from him. A couple more things I want to get to on this game. also want to talk a little bit about the trade deadline coming up here this week. We'll be right back. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I gotta tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48, it's where I watched CU win a Pac 12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward. Anyone else that's voting, it's the place to be. Uh, They've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap. You name it, they've got it, and the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, Harrison Wind and Brendan Vote. we are presented by Illegal Pete's. Make sure to check out our watch party this Saturday at Illegal Pete's. Nuggets are taking on the Phoenix Suns. Make sure to RSVP so you're eligible to win whatever prizes we're handing out. We'll be tweeting out that info all week long. Make sure to keep it locked to our timelines. Wrapping up here on this Nuggets loss, 128-123 to the Pistons. So... I guess where I thought we could go from here, let's talk about the upcoming deadline, Uh, the trade deadline coming up this week, just a few days away. What are your kind of thoughts about just where this team stands heading into the deadline? Because it seems like across the league, it's going to be a quieter deadline than normal. How active do you see the Nuggets being here? You know, taking into account the injuries that the Nuggets currently have, how some of these role players, how some of these guys that we've talked about potentially getting traded for a while now have been playing. What are just kind of your overall
1: thoughts? I think you have to expect it to be quiet, right? I think the big, what's the big name they've been linked to? It's Drew Holiday. We'll just link them to again recently, right? Um, But if you think about that, I mean, I don't know what deal that would look like as we touched on earlier. Certainly couldn't be a Gary package at this point. So then you, your first thought goes to Jamal. Don't think Denver's eager to move on there. So that probably doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same stuff we've been talking about all year. Um, what does Wancho and Malik turn into, if anything? Is there a route to sort of consolidate here? But I don't know if there's, like, names, right? Names that you have circled. Oh, are the Nuggets going to try to pick that guy up? Um, I, I'm expecting a fairly quiet deadline. What about you?
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I Definitely expecting a quiet deadline. And... When it comes to New Orleans, it seems like they are the team that's kind of going to initiate the trade deadline action the second they decide if they're willing to move off their guys. That probably triggers a lot of other moves. But it seems like New Orleans isn't going to be a seller here unless things change quickly over the next couple of days. Um, So I can't really see them moving holiday or moving on from – a lot of their main guys maybe they they move a Reddick or something but i would not be surprised if they hold on to everybody and tried to make a real push for that eight seed who do you think is the most likely guy on this team to get traded if you if i'm answering that question i would probably say wancho
1: yeah wancho
0: wancho just seems like the guy to me who you're probably not going to play him at all in the playoffs. And yeah, he had that nice night in Milwaukee, but just has not shot the ball well. Can't be counted on for playoff-level defense. He'd be the guy for me.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, what does it look like when everyone's back healthy? I think Rancho's out of that rotation again. So yeah, he's the obvious obvious call. With Malik, there's arguments to keep him. Rancho, not really so much at this point. I don't know how much he fetches you, but um, yeah, I mean, if there's a guy that you're probably – I mean, I think most of Nugget Station has already come to terms with the likelihood of saying goodbye to Wancho, whether that's that's in the coming weeks or, 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 I mean, now rather, or in the summer. But yeah, it's definitely Wancho.
0: If you can get somebody in exchange for Wancho, like that is a trade I would look at. So, you know, somebody who's making uh, around his salary, who's on the books for like two years. Because Denver has a lot of free agents here on their roster right now. So they're going to have to sign a lot of guys, and they're not going to have a ton of money to work with. Mm -hmm. With Jamal Murray's contract uh, coming into play next year, his max deal starts next year, a potential new contract for Jeremy Grant. What are they doing with Paul Millsap? And so if you can get a guy on a cheap salary for uh, another year or two, that might be fruitful for Denver at the deadline if they're looking to flip Wancho, whose contract is, of course, up at the end of this season, when it comes to Malik, I think you've got to keep him, uh, especially with how the way how Gary's been playing on the offensive yep. end of the floor. That's probably the biggest reason why you probably need to keep him um, because you just need more scoring punch there at the two guard position if you want to have a chance in the first round, really. I mean I, I would be nervous about you know Gary in a playoff environment if this keeps up.
1: Yeah, this season and even going forward if that's a possibility. I mean it's we're trying to find ways to get true shooters around Jokic. It'd be kind of silly to to give up on one that you already have, right, under your control. So it's not an ideal scenario for the Nuggets, but I think they have to start considering that avenue because like you said, it's I don't know how much confidence one can have that Gary Harris is, is that guy right now. Mm-hmm other guys on the
0: roster um that could be moved we've talked about Tory Craig potentially being moved before i kind of have a tough time seeing that and just with how almost you know integral he's been how big of a piece he's been to the rotation over the last few games and um yeah obviously the injured guys don't see them getting moved either like a Mason Plumlee really didn't even see him getting moved if the Nuggets were healthy and he was healthy but you know anything could happen but yeah overall I would expect a pretty quiet trade deadline for sure and um you know maybe Denver gets back from the deadline gets back from all-star week and then kind of tweaks their rotation a little for the stretch run but I don't know I I feel like this is kind of the team the Nuggets will have
1: probably the only argument for Torrey Craig is um, and it, like let's say hypothetically the front office is in this place where they really want to see Michael Porter Jr play. you know, maybe you take that decision out of Michael Malone's hands by trading Tory Craig, but also maybe you piss off Michael Malone by doing that and <laughs> there's been a lot of organizational alignment. I mean this the three facets here ownership coaching front office, they've been on the same page for the most part, so I'm sure they are here. I don't think they would trade Craig I'm with you,
0: yeah. Well, a tough one for Denver here on Sunday. They lose 128-123. to 123. This has been a brutal stretch, absolutely brutal. The worst part of the entire regular season slate for Denver has been over the last three weeks or so. I have never seen a stretch like this, obviously in the Nuggets schedule, um, and I, I know I'm not going to sit here and say I pay attention to every team's schedule, but the back-to-backs Denver has had, the three straight back-to-backs they had, and then... This stretch of three games to close out the month and open February. Absolutely brutal. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the Nuggets have had the injuries they've had during this stretch. Um, Is
1: there any team looking more forward to the break right now? They just can't wait. They can't get there fast enough.
0: Probably not. Uh, They need it badly. Uh, You got anything else before we get out of here? Nope. All right. Sounds good. We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. All right, before we get out of here, you guys know how supporting local business is in our blood. We're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company, and it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects since 1972. They've been providing the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets to molded rubber to cost to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. And guess what? Snow is coming, and we've already had a taste of it. You'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything, snow plows, DRC can cut the size and pre-slot most snowplow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back, and it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades, and we even witnessed machines that cut material that are used in bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company custom makes it all, and you can purchase products for yourself, and of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business, loyalty only to the people, just like us here at DNVR. Be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com backslash DNVR. Tell them who sent you.